0: And as you turn to the book of Malachi chapter 3, let me remind you that tonight our choir will be singing in our evening service. Those that are in the praise team of musicians need to be here at 4.30 for practice. All the choir members, 5 p.m. prompt, meaning you need to be here before 5 p.m. so we can start at 5 p.m. And uh, we're going to have a great time. I love it when our choir is able to minister. Hallelujah. Malachi chapter 3 says, verse 10 Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. See, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven, and pour you, pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall rise, or all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Over the last couple of weeks, we have introduced to you the theme for this year, a theme that simply says, invest. And I believe that that when we look at everything that God has invested in us, there ought to be an investment back into what he's done. Last uh, two Sundays ago, we talked about the investment of time and how important it is that we give our time to the kingdom of God, whether it's church attendance or whether it is uh, uh, time at a practice or whether it's time in discipleship or teaching a Bible study. Time is important, reading your Bible or devotion. Time is important. Last Sunday, we talked about the investment of your talent in the kingdom of God. And uh, if you were not here for those messages, I encourage you, go back and listen to them. You can get them from our media department, you can go to our website, and you can go and see them and listen to them, uh, because that's going to be something that we focus on this year, and I want you to be caught up with all of us. And today, we're going to talk about investing our treasures into the kingdom of God. You can be seated. I have... uh, pastored almost 10 years. This year, Sister Buford and I and our family will have pastored 10 years. That's a lot of sermons and a lot of things that I've learned along this journey. And uh, I'll tell you, there's about two things that people don't like, uh, or at least they get a little uncomfortable, if you will, when we start talking about uh, giving. One of them is when we talk about giving, and the second is when we start talking about living holy. It kind of gets a, a little tight. I remember telling my wife one day that I was going to preach on tithing and she looked at me and she said, "Are are are, are you sure you want to do that?" <laughs> I even uh, one time asked uh, some of our leadership here. I said, "I'm going to give tithing." And you see that that raised eyebrow. But I'm so thankful for the Lighthouse. This is a church that that knows what it means to give. And uh, I, I know that if you go tomorrow to work and you say, well, pastor taught about tithing, some of those unchurched people, they'll look at it in a contentious way and they'll say things like this, all preachers want is my money. They'll say, all the church wants is our money. And perhaps to the untrained eye who observes the offering plate that gets passed, maybe I, I guess it would seem that way, but I believe you and I realize it's so much more than that. It's an investment of our treasure. And so for the next little bit, would you allow me to teach maybe a little different Sunday morning uh, uh, sermon and let me teach to you about what it means to give. If you look in the Bible, and I, I guess through the King James Version, you will find that the word love or the concept of love is mentioned over 300 times. Pray is over 450 times. Fasting is mentioned a hundred times, but giving is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. My father has preached a message on stewardship a few times uh, in this church. And let me quote to you something that he has preached on, and I've written it down, an excerpt from one of his sermons. He says this, our stuff and the spiritual development of our soul are very important topics to God. In fact, watch this. It's so important that of the 38 parables that, are, 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 uh, that, that Christ gave, you know, there's 38 parables that Jesus gave. Of those 38, 17 of them talk about possessions. Possessions are mentioned 2,172 times in Scripture three times more than love, seven times more than prayer, eight times more than belief. In fact, somebody said if you took the Bible and divided it up, 15% of God's word deals with possessions. There's parables like the treasures that are hidden in a field, or pearls, or talents, or pounds, or stables, or so on. thing I believe that the Lord understood in his infinite wisdom is that in the strictly... Spirit, or, or a physical sense giving is hard we don't like to let go Pastor Bruce Ball made this statement he gave this illustration of a man that was dying and he told his wife he said honey he said when I die I'm going to take all the mon- my money with me I want you to take my money out of the bank I want you to put it in a sack I want you to hang it in the rafters there in the attic and when I die I'll grab the sack On my way to heaven, the wife did as he uh, said. The day came and he died and after all of the grief, she raced to the attic and found that money in that bag still there and she thought within herself, I knew I should have hung it in the basement. It's hard to let go. It's like the man that was going to die and he said, I... I want you to put all my money with me in the casket. So his wife wrote out a check and put it in the, in the casket. So I asked her, why would you do that? He said, well, or she said, well, if he can find a place to cash it, then that's his prerogative. There's reasons that we give. And, and, and again, I'm going to teach you a little bit. I don't know that we'll shout or dance or, or go around the aisles, but this is so important. I want you to see the Bible. First off, you should give simply because God's word commands it. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 it says that we should bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. It's a, a, a remembering of the commandment that God gave in Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30. He said in all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's it is holy unto the Lord's concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock even whatsoever passeth under the rod a tenth shall be holy unto the Lord." He shall not search it, whether it be good or bad. He shall not change it. If He change it at all, then both He and the change thereof shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. It's important to understand that God's word commands we give. It's just as important as God commanding us that we should be baptized, or just as important as God's commandment that we should live holy, we should give. The understanding of giving indicates that there is something or someone that we give to. It's a very important question. When you put your offering in the plate or you make a check out or you give on our giving kiosks, you're giving to the lighthouse and while at the end of, of the year you're going to get a giving statement for your, your records and the financial reports, and we understand that, but can I tell you that when you give to the lighthouse, you're not giving to the church, you're giving to God. For the Bible says this in Malachi chapter 3, it says, and, and we, we, this is about the third time that I've, I've read this tonight, and I, or this morning, and I'm doing it on purpose, it says, bring the tithes into the storehouse, That there might be meat in mine house. The lighthouse, the churches, the local church is God's storehouse. One of the great principles in the word of God is the principle of stewardship. In fact, it is in every part of your life. God requires you to be a steward. There is nothing that you have that is yours. Your life is not yours. Your wealth is not yours. The house that you live in is not yours. The car that you drive is not yours. How do I know that? Because the Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. If you and I, and I think we do, but let me just help you, if you and I would grasp that concept, it's His, then it makes it so much easier to give. I find it funny that people would, would say, well, well, why should we tithe? We use the phrase 10%. You know, why does God want that? Uh, let me just kind of tell you that God can do anything He wants to give. He, he wants to do. He could have decided that I'm going to give you 10% and you got to give me 90%. He could have woke up if you will, and and said, I'm going to permit for humanity just to have a bare existence. Uh, and if you look through, um, um, here, let, me, let me help you out. How many of you have looked through uh, the book of Judges and you see all of the times that the Philistines and the Midianites and others came and look at how hard they taxed and how much they stole from the children of Israel? God could have been that kind of person. But God said... Uh, I'm not asking for a half, I'm simply asking for you to give your tithes and your offerings. Now I know the Bible says don't let your left hand know what the right hand is giving and we don't need to trumpet every time we give and you don't have to tell everybody how much you give, I understand that. As a pastor, I don't ask to see your paycheck. I'm not asking for you to give your, 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 your W-2 or whatever that is. Uh, but, but it is kind of obvious that if I, you have a job and you've never given to the church, I, I would say you're not giving your tithes to the Lord. There's only really a reason that we track who gives. Nobody gets to know that information except Sister Sharon, our financial secretary, and, and the pastor, and it's twofold. Number one, We have to uh, give account for tax purposes and for accounting purposes. And it also only seems fair that there's moments in which the church comes together in a business meeting to vote on business matters. And I would think that those who have given faithfully need to have the voice to know how this church is operated. But at the end of the day, it's not about us seeing how much you give. It's about the attitude of why you give. See, when God decided to put into his commandments and his word giving, he did so for two reasons. Number one, it reminds you and I that it really belongs to him. I know you went to college and you, you got good grades hopefully and you got a good job, but I would like to think at the end of the day you say, Lord, it was your wisdom that allowed me to pass my classes. I know I can say that. Some of y'all graduated Summa cum laude, some of you grad, graduated uh, magna cum laude, I graduated, thank you laude, and uh, that's how that works. I don't know if it was very spiritual or not, but there was a lot of tests I prayed over, probably because I didn't study real well, but I've learned in my life, as we've seen, my life is not my own. The blessings that God has given me, the wisdom that God has given me, and each and every aspect of my life, I've learned to say, Lord, this really is yours, and you're just letting me play a part in it. You're letting me be a steward. You're allowing me. The second reason why God commands us to give is because it's a way of checking that worldly mindlessness. It's a way of checking the selfish nature that rises within us. It's a way when we give. It's much like what you said, Brother Perryman, as you opened the service, that fasting, excuse me, fasting gets our attention. Prayer gets God's attention. I will tell you right now, God doesn't need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which is simply a a way of saying he's far richer than anything that we could ever give. But it's about checking our world mindness. And when we give, it checks that selfishness. When we give, it allows us to see that we have been called to be good stewards of God's estates. A little boy was, and his sister, brother and sister, they were out in the backyard and they were playing uh Noah's ark in the small wading pool there and they'd filled that wading pool up with water and they'd gotten a shoebox or something and it was floating on top of the water and they had gone and they had uh put in all of the little animals they could find and uh Sissy's doll was in there and his GI Joe men was in there and they were they were really going to town they had listened carefully to his Sunday school teacher and they knew that when the flood water succeeded subsided and and they began to to subsided and they walked out uh that there was an offering that needed to be happening. And so they couldn't decide what they were going to sacrifice. And finally, the little boy said, uh, why don't you offer your doll, sissy? And, of course, she said, that ain't going to happen. And she countered with, why don't you offer your G.I. Joe? And he said no to that. And finally, the little girl ran back in the house and a few minutes later came back with an old, stuffed, dirty little sheep. One ear had been ripped off. The wool was dirty. One eye were missing. And she said, let me give this. We don't even want it anymore. Somehow that becomes the common thread in a lot of people's life. That their giving becomes the things they don't want rather than the things that they ought to give. There's timeless truths contained. How many times do we let our giving be dictated by things we don't need or want? When instead, I would like to remind you that the greatest way you could ever learn to give is learn to give the first fruits. It's far more than just your tithes. I would say that you ought to give your worship first to God. Then you can live your life. You ought to give your time first to God, and then He'll fill the rest of your time up. You ought to give your your offerings and tithes first. A tithe is a 10%. Because much of the Bible was written before money became an everyday commodity. It was common in their lives to deal in the bartering system. And so it was that God said it's easy. Give a tithe. You give a tithe 10% of the grain that you grow in a season. 10% of the livestock that is born to you. However today most of us don't live by that bartering system. Most of us don't live by that. Instead money is the currency of today. You can't go to the bank and pay your mortgage with a wheelbarrow of potatoes. You're not going to go into the, the credit union and pay your car bill with a, a, a cow or something like that. You go with money. And so the principle is now we give of our treasure. The Lord said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, it says that they had robbed God. And then the answer is, how do we rob you? And he said, Well, you robbed when you didn't give your tithes, and your offerings. I want to give you just a few things very quickly that are so important. And and you may say, Pastor, I'm already doing this. I understand. But perhaps there's one here that, that hasn't or you haven't learned yet or you're curious as to why. Let me tell you how you should give. Number one, give to God first and then I highlighted in it the Nike slogan. Just do it. There's no, you don't have to think about it. Just do it. And then the second is that give to God systematically. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we'll hit that a little bit later, but it says uh, that on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him so that there be no gatherings when I come. And the the story behind that is that Paul was going to come and he was going to collect an offering so that they could bring it back to the church in Jerusalem that was having an incredible time of persecution. And he says, I don't want to have to get there and you scrounge around for an offering to give. Why don't you set it aside at the first of the week so that when it's time to give you have something to give it became a habit you learn to give to God systematically. The third thing which seems to be a little odd but I want to remind you that the third thing is you need to give according to your means. In that same story that we read uh, there in 2 Corinthians it says that you should give out of the performance of what you have. You remember when the Bible says of of Saul that obedience was better than sacrifice? Can I tell you that God is not impressed all the time with a sacrifice if there's not been some obedience of systematic giving in there? You can't just wake up and say, I'm going to give to the Lord a $100,000 offering. That doesn't impress God near as much as you coming each and every Sunday and just simply bringing an offering, a systematic give what you have. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, But I say that he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. And every man, as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, not out of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work now I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot but I'm just curious especially over these last two years as there uh, has been a a focus on our give to grow and we've been seeing that has anybody found that giving is a joyous thing I have it don't make a whole lot of sense because I'm not one that really wants to give I remember, I'm doing a little bit better Sister Buford I think, hopefully you can nod your head and say yes but I remember as a New couple, I hated buying jeans because that meant I couldn't go buy a fishing lure. I kind of didn't like to buy the necessities. I wanted to buy the fun things. But I've learned that when I begin to give, I can give it cheerfully. I can give it regularly. I can give it generously. And I can give it quietly. Mark, one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible is Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And Jesus sat against the treasury in Jesus' day in the synagogues and the temple. Instead of the ushers coming to bring the offering, there was a box at the back, if you will. And you would just give your offering there. And Jesus was sitting close to there and he was watching. And he said, "I, I saw that there were rich that gave a ton. I mean, they just poured it in there. But a certain poor widow came and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that poor widow has cast more in than they that have cast into the treasury. For they did cast of their abundance, but she cast all that she had, even her living. Even though I told you you should give according to your means, I'd like to also remind you that you should give regardless of your circumstances. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I can't give. I don't make enough. I'll start giving when I, give my ne- when I get my next raise. And I'd like to just gently tell you that's a faulty way to be a good steward. For the Bible says that he, will, he that is faithful in the small things will be ruler over the larger things. The reason I think it's beautiful that God gave, said, said give a tithe is because 10% on one dollar... Is just as easy to give as 10% on $1,000. And I would tell you today that if you can't learn, and, and I know our young people, they went to class, our children are downstairs, but I teach, my, I teach Zane and Zoe that if you can't learn to tithe now, God will never bless you later. I loved making money. I've always had that desire in my heart. I love making money. And as a, as a, as a, a young boy, I learned very quickly that one of the most incredible ways to make money and, and make a lot of money, especially for a kid, was to go shovel driveways. Anybody ever shovel driveways and make money off of it? I got a, a snow shovel, and uh, I, would, I would get up. When I love when it snowed. I would get up, and I would, I would go out early, and I'd start knocking on doors. Our, our uh, subdivision had probably 200 houses in it, maybe more. I would knock every one of those houses. Can I, can I uh, uh, shovel your driveway? I normally charged anywhere, depending on the driveway, $15 to $20. So you can imagine for a a 12 or 13-year-old kid shoveling five driveways, I made $100 and that was like a million dollars to me. Uh, My mom and dad, they were mean. They didn't give me an allowance. They said I had to clean my room and that was my duty and they didn't give me any money to clean my room. And uh, so I had to do this. And I remember vividly, my parents had taught me pay your tithes. And I can tell you without a doubt, if I paid my tithes, the next snow I would make far more than I had ever made. If I didn't pay my tithes, and I could go and show you, if I didn't pay my tithes, it didn't matter if the next time it snowed a 100 inches, nobody would let me shovel their driveway. I learned very quickly that there was a reason we should give. And if you'll learn to give in the small things, regardless of your circumstances, I've watched people lose their job and still tithe. I've watched people go through heartaches and still give. And I've watched them come on the the backside of that and watch God bless them. Then I've watched people whose God has touched them and they didn't tithe and they lost it all. We give those first fruits. We give those first fruits. You know, it's, I don't like, Preaching messages like this, I'd much prefer to start hollering and screaming and dancing and talk about the Holy Ghost outfilling. But I've learned in life, there's some things in life that we bring on ourselves. In Haggai chapter 1, and I want to invite you to turn there with me, please. Because while, watch this, while none of you, if I would have said today, congregation, I want to preach on giving. I don't know that any of you would have been like, woohoo, let's go, pastor. But if I would have said, let's take some prayer requests, and, and, and maybe I said, we'll, we'll take them and you can give them to me, I promise you, over half of the prayer requests that I received would have been financial in nature. And there's a reason why, and I want you to see in Haggai chapter 1, there are consequences if we don't Give. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because uh, of, of just some of the way that it, it reads, but you, you'll see it. it. says the exact same thing in your King James Version or your New King James Version or whatever version you have. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord of the heaven's armies say. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look what is happening to you. You have planted much but harvested little. You have eaten, but you are not satisfied. You you drink, but you are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. I chose this version because of that one phrase. Because it is amazing how many times I have thought that of myself, or you have. Lord, where in the world did all my money go? I got a paycheck and it just looks as if my pockets had holes in them and we say that here's the reason. This is what is happening to you, say the Lord's army or the, the Lord of heaven's armies. Go up to the hills and bring down temper and rebuild my house. And then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, saith the Lord. You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord. While all of you are building your own fine houses, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew. And the earth produces no crops. And I have called for a drought on your fields and hills. A drought that withers the grain and grapes and olive trees and your other crops. A drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you've worked so hard to get. And then if you keep reading in verse 12 on, they begin to change what they were doing. Now I know, I know, I'm preaching to the choir. Because you in this church, you have given And there are times and time again that I step back and say, how in the world, God, are you doing this? And it's because the majority of us, we understand this. We've lived the moments where it seemed as if our wages disappeared as I was putting them in pockets with holes. We've lived through the poor harvest. We've lived through the things. And then we've got the understanding, Lord, if I give, there is a blessing that accompanies it. But let me just talk to just maybe one person, I don't know, I don't have anybody in mind right now, but let me just say, if you're here today and you say, God, why haven't you blessed me as you've blessed others? Why don't the things that I work on and do, why, why, don't they, why, why aren't they not blessed? I would say, as Malachi told them in Malachi chapter 3, will a man rob God, but you've robbed me. And so you say, wherein wherein have we robbed thee? The answer is, in tithes and offerings. And because of that, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So bring you all your tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before in the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed and you shall be a delightsome land saith the Lord of hosts in that I've learned one thing and I believe it with all of my heart that there is a devourer that would like nothing else but to make your life miserable and a devourer that says I want you to have to slog through life and I want you to have to push through life and I want you to have to, 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 to work and be hard but God said if you'll just try me watch what happens in God's economy. If you've been around over the last couple of, of years, you have heard Brother Justin Lowe use that phrase. And I think he was the, the first one that, that, that kind of began to use it, whether it's our She's for Christ offering or whether it's our Give to Grow, God's economy. God has a way of saying, just try me. As pastor, I, I've told people, some of you even here today, you've heard me say this to you in a private setting. You said to me, Pastor, I just, I can't tithe. I don't make enough to tithe. And I've looked you in the eye and I've said this. Just try it. I said, I'm, I, just try it. I said, if you'll, if you'll do it, and you'll do it with the right attitude, if you'll try it and see that God doesn't, he may not give you a raise he may not give you you know you may not walk out to your mailbox and find a million dollar check in there but he'll let what you make go farther than you ever dreamed if you'll try it and at the end and and we set up a time I said if at the end God didn't prove himself faithful I'll give you back your tithe for that, that trial period no one's ever come and got it back because God said, Try me and see. Try me and see. I want to talk to somebody right now. I'm talking about the investing. The investing is simple. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, says why you ought to invest in the kingdom of God. One who gives freely, yet grows all the richer another withholds what he should give and only suffers won't I would tell you today and I believe that that there are far more that well, well let me let me put it this way have you ever been in a church service or been somewhere and they're preaching and, and maybe they're they're, they're they're trying to teach like I am and they're telling you this is what you need to do and you're sitting on the pew going I'm already doing that and it makes you so excited have you ever done that? Maybe somebody gets up at a conference and he's preaching about the importance of teaching a home Bible study, and you're sitting back there going, "Go! I got one going right now. I'm doing that. It's an incredible feeling. And a lot of you are in that place right now. I'm not telling you anything new. In fact, you could almost get up here and give me some testimonies that would back up what I'm saying right now. But maybe, just maybe, I'm talking to one or two people. And I'd like to tell you that if you'll learn to invest in the kingdom of God, your entire life will be better. I don't give. I don't give. So I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't. I don't operate where I'm gonna give, and I know tomorrow I'm gonna go to my my, my mailbox, and God's gonna give me that money right back. In fact, very few times has that ever ever happened. Sometimes it has. Been. Very often, or very very few, has it ever happened. But I can tell you now, God's economy is this: I give Him my tithes and my offerings. And he blesses the remainder greater than if I would have kept it myself. When we started the Give to Grow, and we'll talk about it a little bit more tonight, in 2016 we started, and if you remember, we did a seven-week series on Wednesday nights called The Blessed Life. It was a video series. Pastor Robert Morris, I believe from, from Dallas, Texas, uh, he, he did it. And I remember, and I've told people all across this nation that I've talked to, especially other pastors, I've said it blew my mind when we would play this little 25-minute video clip of him teaching, and on a Wednesday night after teaching about giving, the lighthouse would come to the altar and would weep, and God would minister. And over the last two years, I've watched this church, I've watched you giving your tithes. I've watched some of you that had never given. All of a sudden you started giving, and you watched God touch your life. Some of you have come to me and you said, you know, as soon as I started paying my tithes, God begin to help me in my job it's God's economy one who freely gives will grow all the richer another who withholds what he should give only suffers won't you give? would you stand with me today I, I I don't by any stretch of the imagination I'm, I'm being very careful I'm not trying to toot my own horn or but but I can really only talk about myself if that makes sense you'll have to be willing to talk and share your own testimony but I'm not free to share your testimony when it comes to your, your giving but I remember when when we were back in 2016 I looked at my wife we were going to take the give to grow offering and I looked at my wife and I said I want to give this amount and she was in total agreement but we asked the question Lord how in the world could we do that how in the world and so I began to do everything that I just talked to you about. I begin to give systematically. I went online. Most of you have, you know, have banks that have online banking. And it's so cool because you don't have to pay for the check and you don't have to pay for the, the postage. You just set it up in your online banking. I set it up that on Tuesday of every week, my bank would send a paper check. to to the lighthouse, and it would have my give to grow offering on it. That way, it came out automatically. That way, I didn't have to ever have an excuse of why I didn't give it. It came out automatically. Oh, sure, the first couple of weeks were a little tough when I watched that amount give out. But when we got to the end of 2015, I looked at my wife, I looked at our giving statement. Of course, we give our tithes, our offerings, and we give to she's for Christ. We give to give to grow. And I looked at my wife, and I said, how in the world could we have ever afforded this and then I begin to realize that's God's economy so last year I tried God out I up my give to grow and at the end of this year I get the giving statement I look at it I say Lord how in the world were we ever able to do that and he says because it's my economy and this year I believe God is going to do more we invest our time We invest our talents, and we invest our treasure. The reason, one of the main reasons we went to the online giving and the giving kiosk is because I didn't want anybody to have an excuse not to get involved in God's economy. Because some of us, especially you younger people, I'll pick on you, Brother Andrew, you probably don't even use a checkbook. Brother Jared, I, I doubt many times you have cash on you so we put a giving kiosk back there and it cost a little bit of the church there's some processing fees when we were talking about it I said well I just don't want anybody to have an excuse not to get involved in God's economy because if you'll just that word if you'll just try God watch what he does and so I'm going to pray right now and then I'm just going to ask you just to just to kind of stay where you are. I'm not going to ask for anybody to get out of your seats. I'm not going to ask anybody to come and and tell me what you're going to give. That that, that has nothing to it. Tonight, you're going to hear me talk about a sacrifice, and and, and you're going to hear me explain it, but at the end of the day, I'm not interested too much. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll accept it, and the church will accept it, but I'm not interested in somebody saying, I want to give this massive amount of money. I think God is looking for the faithful consistency. Five dollars a week. $20 $20 a week, paying your tithes every time your, your check comes. Getting involved in God's economy and watching what He does. But I want you just to close your eyes because I do, I do feel His presence. And I've watched as I begin to preach, I've watched some of you with tears in your eyes. I've watched some of you nod your head because you've been a part of God's economy for a little bit and you've watched what God has done. Some of you, you've tried God out and you could stand and say He, he, he did everything He promised He would do. And I'd like to tell you today that if you're dealing with your finances and you've got issues going on and you're saying, God, I'm never ever going to be able to get out of this, I'd like to ask you, are you giving to Him? Because if you're not giving to Him, the answer is very simple. You will never get out of that trap. But if you learn to give to Him, He'll bless you sometimes in spite of your own doings. And He'll lead and guide you into a place of promise. Would you let God begin to speak to you for just a moment, just right where you are?